Jeannie and I were on the younger side when we got married. I was 19. Jeannie was 17. Uh, she graduated high school in June, and we got married in July. Um, her dad had to sign his permission for her to get married. Uh, I don't know if they still do that. I know there's an age in there somewhere, but um, we went downtown to in Chicago, we lived in Cook County, and the county office is in downtown Chicago across from, well, the Daily Plaza. Some of you know where that is, where the Picasso statue is. Uh, Jenny happened to work kitty corner from there. She had gotten a job, and she was working at Chicago Title and Trust, which, interestingly enough, she did the ta- she worked in their corporate tax department and did the taxes for Lincoln National Corporation in Fort Wayne uh, at that time, which we had no idea what that was, but... Um, so her dad and I then took the train down uh, downtown and she we met her and we the three of us walked across the street up to the marriage license part and uh, I think it was on the third floor I don't really remember but I remember the three of us going in and getting the marriage license so you know so that I, I could uh, marry Jenny uh, we had just gotten it just seemed we'd gotten to that place in our relationship where marriage seemed like the uh, next step I've told you before uh, about the uh, romantic marriage proposal that I gave you seeing some of them on YouTube mine's not on YouTube because YouTube wasn't invented then uh, and uh, but it certainly it would have gotten a lot of hits uh, different people have been talking about you know us getting married and things and so one day uh, I looked at her and I said uh, we can get married if you want and how could she resist such a romantic how could she resist such a romantic proposal uh, as that um, you see to word it that way gave both of us an out <laughs> I mean, think about it. Uh, and uh, you know, so, but at any rate, uh, that, that was um, that was uh, the extent. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, so was she 16 and I was 18 when we got engaged? Um, I don't know. I have to look back. I think I still have the receipt from the, the ring we bought, um, and uh, that was a surprise too. Uh, we both walked into C.D. Peacock, which was a jeweler in Chicago. Uh, the suburbs anyway and you know we walked into C.D. Peacock and uh, said how about this one she said no how about this one and I said well okay um, so the one she picked out was cheaper the one I picked out was nicer it's just my opinion but you know what do I know um, at any rate she doesn't have that ring anymore because it was stolen and she has a different one that that I got her which has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon so let's um, <laughs> you know the you know this the whole thing that um, I have frequently said that I married the right girl for all the wrong reasons and it's very true I did uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I married the right person. You know, now, now, it, then, I wasn't even thinking about that. That didn't even enter my mind. I was marrying Jenny because it made me happy. I mean, that's why I was getting married. You know, and, and that was at that point was was a fine reason for me. I didn't take the step of marriage as seriously as I should. Um, I do now. Not just for myself, but for anybody. I think marriage is critically important. I think the decision of, of getting married is second only to your decision of what you're going to do with Jesus. Uh, I, I think it's that important. Now, 
I do weddings and I, you know, I've done many of them. And before I do a wedding, I do premarital counseling with the couple because um, too many people uh, really don't think about marriage when they're planning on getting married. They are just thinking about getting married. They're not thinking about marriage. And there's a huge difference. You know, one is short term, the other is long term. And we need to, you know, people prepare more to go to the grocery store than they do to get married. And that's just not the way it should be. You know, that the uh, on the wedding day before, you know, the ceremony starts, I go to the bride and groom. And, you know, you guys remember, those of you who have done the weddings, you'll remember. And I go to the bride and groom individually. And I say... Are we still going through with this? Because I really want that answer before the wedding rather than after. Now, I have learned uh, to warn them that I'm going to ask them that question, you know. So I do warn them now in premarital counseling. I didn't used to. And I can remember I went up and I asked somebody, are we still going through with this? What? You know, of course we are. Well, you know, I didn't mean to shock you on your wedding day uh, but I, I just think you know I, I think it's important so far everybody has said yes uh, now I have had one one uh, young man he's not young anymore but one young man uh, during the premarital counseling decided not, he's not getting married you know he, he is not and, and he is still that was well that was uh, over 30 years ago and he is still not married um, you know, that, that was his decision then, and he's uh, pretty much stuck with it. Well, um, here's how this all fits into the Advent story that we've been looking at. Now, last week, we looked at the passage in Luke chapter 1, where we're told that an angel came, it says, to a virgin named Mary, who was pledged to be married to Joseph, a descendant in the line of King David. All important aspects there, important parts. Uh, you know, the, the, the virgin birth uh, gives us a sinless uh, Savior, a sinless Christ. And that in the line of King David fulfills prophecy, and that comes up again today in the passage we're going to look at today. Uh, you know, so that, that was an important thing. Uh, you know, and even though Mary didn't understand it all, you know, how could she understand these things? Uh, even though she didn't understand it all, she embraced real hope because she did understand that God could be trusted. That makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference knowing and understanding that God can be trusted. Because when you understand God can be trusted, you see that then I am free to be able to follow him, even though I don't understand sometimes the whys and the wherefores of all of, all of those parts. Now, Mary's fiancé, Joseph, finds out that Mary is expecting a child, and he, too, doesn't understand it all. He doesn't want to go through with the wedding. His answer to the question of, are we still going through with this, was no. No, we're not still going through with this. But today we're going to see what, what a difference amazing love can make, particularly in tough situations. But let's pray first. Father, thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the uh, people you put in our lives that love us, because we need that. We need to see it face to face sometimes. And it may not be in, uh, 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 certainly it should be in marriage, but Father, that's not the only place. You put other people in our lives, too, who show us love, real love, true love, amazing love. And I'm so grateful. 
I'm so grateful for that and those times and those people. And I think back on, on some father who are no longer here. What a gift they've been in my life that lives on. And I thank you for the people that are still here that show me love. Help us as we look into your word today to understand a little bit more the reality of what love is, that we might live in it, that we might rejoice in it, that we might share it with others. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. If you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 1 is on page 885 in the Pew Bible. Uh, This picks up after Joseph finds out that Mary is expecting a child. We're not told how he found out. That doesn't come up in the scriptures. We don't know if Mary told him or if he heard it through the grapevine. How much longer would you? Uh, we, We don't know how he found out. All we're told here is that he knows. Now, I think that we could all agree, though, even though we don't have the details, that it was a painful, life-altering shock to him. Okay, so one of the things, one of the dumb things I I did after uh, Jenny and I were engaged, and, um, well, let's see, we bought our house in May. We were married in July. And so it was after May because we were, I remember where we were when um, I shared this brilliant idea I had with her. Um, I said, um, what do you think about not getting married and just living together? Well, that didn't go well. Um, you know, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad she didn't because, you know, I, I don't think that's how you should do. But um, to say she was uh, that that was news she didn't want to hear would be an understatement. Uh, you know, it, it, it didn't uh, go over well. It's a shock. Well, here you can imagine, as you as you could imagine, here it is, and Joseph gets this life-altering news that Mary is going to have a child. Now, uh, you know, n- none of the Gospels tell us how Joseph found out. We're, we're not told. For such a monumental event, you know, uh, as the birth of Christ, there is really very little information. There's only brief accounts given about some of the events surrounding his birth. Now, Mark is silent on the entire event. Mark doesn't have doesn't give us any information on it at all. John's viewpoint really doesn't even deal. He never even mentions Mary and Joseph. You know, he just talks about the reality. Of, you know, the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he talks about, and then that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's that's John's account. Now Luke tells us how Mary found out she would become pregnant. We looked at that last week. And here Matthew, in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he gives us some insight you know, as to how Joseph was dealing with the news, but not how he got the news. Pick up with me, verse 18. It says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph... It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, 
decided to divorce her secretly. Now, we're going to pause there for a minute. We're going to pick up again, so don't, don't lose your place. Now, but what a shock to the system. Here, the woman that you're planning, you know, the woman that you are planning on marrying becomes pregnant, and you know you are not the father. You know, this is, we get the detail. It says she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It seems Joseph didn't have that information when he found out about Mary expecting. We're not really told. If Mary did share that information with him, you know, it was too much for him to believe at first. Um, you know, even, even too much to understand still even today. You know, theologians debate back and forth exactly, you know, what that is, exactly how all that, you know, what, what that means. But, um, you know, Perhaps, you know, he didn't think that uh, he and Mary were special enough for God to miraculously intervene, at least at first. Um, we're not told. See, there's the thing. We're not told. We can only speculate. But it seems very clear from what we are told that he felt betrayed because he had decided he was not going through with this wedding. So however it is he found out, he felt betrayed and he was calling things off. You see, because at this point, Joseph was acting on what he thought he knew. But there was more. There was more to this than he knew. You see, for us, we need to continue to pay attention when we act on what we think we know. We need to continue to pay attention. Because we think we know, but we need to pay attention because it could be that there is more to this than you know that is actually going on. In fact, again, I feel very confident in saying that no matter what's going on in your life, that there's more to it than you realize as you're standing there in that moment. And so be aware and continue to pay attention. Now, I am very impressed, and again, as I was reading through this this week, studying it again, I am very impressed by Joseph's character here. You know, sometimes we look at Joseph with a bit of a lesser attitude. You know, we, we look at it, we, you know, we think of Mary as the more important one here, and Joseph is just kind of a miscellaneous detail. You know, it's almost like Joseph was just there for, you know, moral support or something you know just to to come alongside but joseph is a man of outstanding character and deep integrity let me remind you mary wasn't the only one chosen by god joseph was also chosen by god the two of them were chosen by god to oversee God himself coming as an infant, the enfleshment of God and coming as, when we say a helpless babe, in many respects, yes, you know, that's exactly what it was. It, 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 he, was he was chosen by God as well. Look at verse 19. Joseph is described, it says, as a righteous man. Now, the phrase here, it's referring to his character rather than his spiritual standing. Sometimes when you see, you know, when it talks about somebody being righteous, it's talking about their spiritual standing. Uh, here it's talking uh, really about his character. And you see that because notice he didn't want to disgrace Mary. It's, it would be more accurate to say he didn't want to add to the disgrace of Mary. See, he didn't want to add to it because having a child out of wedlock would have been seen there as a tremendous disgrace in their society. 
In their society, it was a tremendous disgrace. In our society, it's just one of those things that happens. You see, but in their society, it wasn't. And Joseph did not want to be the cause of any more disgrace for Mary. That's love. That's love at work right there. Here is is what spoke to me, you know, even when he thought he was right, and, and even when he had evidence that he was right, he thought he was right, he knew he was right, he knew that, you know, that this wasn't his child. And even when he thought that he was right, he was not willing to be unkind. He wasn't willing to be unkind. Do we ever need that in our society today? I mean, do we ever, we, we, we really need to grasp a hold to this reality. You know, when you, when you, you know, even when you think you're right, don't be unkind. Because there is more than you know going on. There is more than you know going on. Sometimes there's more than you know going on in the other person's life. And sometimes there's more going on in when those who are watching and observing. And I would say, really, I think those are all at work every time. Now, Joseph, Joseph could have made a very public complaint. In fact, making a very public complaint would have been to his advantage in their society. Is it because he could have made sure that others knew that he was not at all involved with Mary being pregnant out of wedlock? You know, and that would have been an important aspect for them to know in their society. And he could have made a real big deal out of it. He could have had her stoned to death. He was in his rights by their law to have her stoned to death for being pregnant out of wedlock. Instead, he chose to extend grace. And he acted in love to shield Mary rather than exonerate himself. He wasn't looking just to exonerate himself. He was looking here to shield Mary. He wasn't looking here to indulge his hurt. He wasn't looking here to get even for what he saw as a betrayal. He wasn't looking here to act out of what may have very easily been anger. He wasn't looking uh, uh, for any of those things at all. What he was doing and said, he was looking and he he was working for Mary's good, even in this bad situation. You see, that's what love does. Love works for the good of the other person. That's what it talks about when it talks about love and it talks about the love of God. It talks about the fact that it's working for the good of the other person. Joseph was doing what he thought he had to do here and his relationship with Mary. That was something he thought he had to do. But he chose to do it with grace and love. Not with anger, not with malice, not with revenge. You see, you are the one who chooses how you will respond to those who hurt you. You are the one who chooses how you will respond to those who cause you pain. You are the one who chooses how you will respond to those who make you angry. You say, you know, well, I'm angry. And we sometimes use that as an excuse or I'm hurt or, or, or you know, they, look what they did to me. And we sometimes use that as an excuse. No, you are always the one who chooses how you are going to respond to those. You are the one who cho- you are. Anger is a choice on your behalf. 
of how you respond to what happened. Because somebody or some situation did not meet your expectations, did not do as you thought they should do, and you choose to be angry. You see, it's a choice you make. You choose how you will respond. Joseph chose to respond with grace and love. The same choices that are available to you today. Those same choices of grace and love. Let's read the rest of this chapter. Pick up with me. Verse 20. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. You see, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Joseph is doing here what he feels he needed to do. Doing what he felt the facts warranted. And just like with Mary, what he was doing was not sin. What he was doing was not wrong. You know, Joseph wasn't doing anything wrong by pursuing ending the marriage process. As the, you know, the passage say that he was looking to divorce her quietly. You say, well, wait, I thought they were engaged. Yeah. They, their whole marriage process was much more involved than ours. And to, to end it, you just didn't say, hey, we're calling this off. You know, there were really actually some legal steps that they would need to take to end it. And he was doing well, what was well within his rights, even by the Jewish law, to be able to set aside what seemed to be an unchaste, immoral woman, you see. And so he was not doing anything wrong here at all. But just like with Mary, God redirects Joseph to bring his actions in line with God's will. Because there was more going on than Joseph knew. A couple of things stood out to me from these verses, uh, you know, for us. One is that I need to be willing to be wrong. I need to be willing to be wrong. Here's our problem with this. Sometimes we are so convinced that we are right that we stop listening. We are so convinced that we're right sometimes that we stop listening even to God. We stop listening even to God. Our mind is made up. And we stick with the facts we know, and sometimes we miss other facts then that will help bring clarity to the situation. You know, that will help us to understand it better. That will help us to see things uh, more clearly. And we ignore those because our mind is made up. I need to be willing to be wrong. Joseph was willing to be wrong, so he continued to listen. 
And because he continued to listen, he heard some pretty incredible things. Look what it says, verse 20. He said, what has been, conce- what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. What is going on in her? What is going on here? He says is a fulfillment of prophecy. He continued to listen and he heard some incredible things. Joseph gets more direction here and then he redirects his actions in line with what he learned from God. Verse 24 says when he got up from sleeping, he did as the angel had commanded him. He did. He put that into action. He heard from God. And when he heard from God, he looked at what he was doing. And when he looked at what he was doing, he redirected his actions so that they would be in line with what he learned from God. You see, he wanted his actions to be in line with what he learned from God, so he redirected them. We need to redirect our actions to keep them in line with what we learn from God. We shouldn't be going to God. We shouldn't be opening the Bible to find an excuse and a reason for how we're behaving. What we should do is when we read his word and we see what God says, we need to redirect our actions to keep them in line with what we learn from God. We do what we know. We do what we know to be best in following God. And when we learn more. We do better. You see, when you, we learn more, we do. I hope, I hope that you are better living for God now than you were a year ago. I really hope that you're living better for God now than you were a week ago. I hope that you're living better for God today than you were yesterday. You see, again, sometimes those changes are incremental. You know, and those steps are, 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 are small, you know, but they need to be real. That what we learn from God, we begin to live and we redirect our actions in line with that. Now, did you catch that important phrase, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife? I, I just love the way God brings in when commotion, commotion, there's an understatement, when... Um, turmoil comes very often you know you see there don't be afraid don't be afraid i can't think of a more upsetting thing to come into joseph's life at that time as he's preparing to be married and to find out in his mind at that point beforehand that his wife to be was unfaithful to him don't be afraid to take mary as your wife Now, none of us are in the specific situation Joseph was. So we might tend to overlook that phrase a bit. Let me reword this for you, though, as it applies to us, okay? Don't be afraid to change your mind and follow God. Don't be afraid to change your mind and follow God. You know, Joseph was willing to be wrong. He was willing to change his mind and follow God. 
Even when he thought that he was doing the right thing, he was not willing to be unkind, but he continued to act in love. He continued to act as he knew God would want him to. Even in that time when he thought that, that Mary was in the wrong. Amazing love overcomes obstacles. Amazing love continues to work for the best of the other person. Even through your hurts, even through your doubts, amazing love continues because you are following God, not simply responding to the situation. Follow God. Don't simply respond to this situation. That's amazing love. Now here's the thing. It's really not the amazing love of Joseph that I want you to remember from this passage. But rather the amazing love of God. Because that's what this passage is about. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the amazing love of God. Look again at verse 21. Verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. God reaches out to us in amazing love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still in the muck and the mire, while we were still acting with impunity toward God, while we were still doing our own thing, while we were still ignoring God, while we were still chasing the lusts of our heart, while we were still acting for our own best interest without regard for others, while we were still doing what we wanted to do and didn't care what God had to say, while all that was going on, Christ died for us. You see, God was not responding to our actions. Rather, He was acting according to our need. He was acting according to what we needed. He was knew that we needed that we needed to, to have forgiveness. He knew that we needed to have salvation. And God acted for our good at great cost to Himself. That familiar verse, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine that happening. I remember one time. Uh, Peter was leaving our house when we lived in the parsonage. And he had uh, uh, at least Caleb with him. And uh, he backed out of our driveway. And there's a hill there. And as he was 
pulling forward. Some guy comes flying over the hill and sees Peter there, you know, and has to stop short a little bit. Not because Peter did anything wrong, but this guy was going faster than he should have. Well, he honked the horn at Peter repeatedly. You know, Pete's pretty calm. This is the most excited I've seen him get driving. They got to the stop sign, and this guy's still honking. Peter got out of his car. That is so unlike him. You know what I did as a dad? I was heading that way because there was no one who was going to touch my son. For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The amazing love of God reaching out to a world in need of forgiveness. That is the message of Christmas. Respond to God's amazing love. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us new life in Christ. That you have given us the reality of being able to have life because you were willing to give your son my sin don't ever let us forget the amazing love that you give don't ever let us overlook what a gracious loving God you are help us to reflect that more and more I pray in Christ's name Amen